Welcome to The Code, your guide to health and human performance. I'm your host, Dr. Andrew Fix from Physio Room, a performance-based rehab facility here in Denver. On this podcast, we're going to explore the key areas of your life that impact your overall health and wellness, from sleep hygiene and stress management to nutrition, movement, relationships, and more. We bring you conversations with industry experts and top performers to share strategies they have for cracking the code on health and human performance. Now let's get to today's show. What's going on, guys? Dr. Andrew Fix back here for another episode on The Code. Again, we're sitting inside of Lion's Den Strength, Mobility, and Performance, one of my usual recording places. And we're joined again by Dr. Jamie. She is with Monarch Way Functional Medicine office that she started. You may remember her from this show before, uh, early on, but that was with an office under a different name. So, Jamie, thanks again for for joining me. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here again. Absolutely. Well, we were uh, we were sitting in your other office before, so now we're sitting here in my office, and you've got a new new practice that mm-hmm. you started somewhat recently. So, would you do me and all the listeners on here a favor of just sort of reintroducing yourself, explaining who you are and what your background is, and then um, maybe tell us a little bit about what Monarch Way is. Yeah, absolutely. So I am a nurse practitioner. I have my doctorate in nursing, um, and I specialize in functional medicine. I'm certified through the Institute for Functional Medicine. Love working with athletes, getting people performing better, dealing with adrenals and diet and lifestyle, all of those things and recently opened my own practice to do everything on my own. My office is my house. So of course it's fully virtual and uh, mostly practicing in uh, for clients that I can see is Colorado, New York, Nevada, Arizona, Maryland, Montana, adding a few other states. So going through that list. Because similar for my situation, like for you to to practice with clients, you have to be licensed in that specific state, right? Correct. Right. Correct. So we're adding in more and more states as as I go along. Yeah. Um, and just slowly building and growing the business. I want to eventually have courses that people can do so if they can't afford a one-to-one care. Um, I am membership-based, um, yeah. which just gives me more time with, with clients, which is fun. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And when was it that you, I don't know exactly what date this will air, but when was it that you started Monoquay? Started opening it in September, kind yeah. of re, like launched the website in November and have been just slowly yeah. plugging along. Mm-hmm. So we're slowly closing in uh, on a year here, yeah. which is sort of crazy to think. I know. And I know you've had, you know, we're, we're eventually on this episode going to get into talking about protein quite mm-hmm. extensively, but I know you've had over your life a, you know, a big shift in like the type of fitness and the type of exercise and whatnot, like how you sort of train and care for your body. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe you could sort of share that story just a little bit. And then uh, I know now you're doing a lot of strength training. Yep. And I think that will parlay us nicely into starting to talk about protein and what it's for, why, why it's important, and we'll go down that route. Yeah, absolutely. Um, actually, fitness is kind of what got me into functional medicine. Yeah, I was a competitive marathon athlete, really trying hard to break three hours. Mm-hmm. Close, did a three hundred one twenty five, and then just kind of crashed. I had recurrent injuries, and my adrenals were shot. Just took years, like most people, trying to figure it out. Lyme, co-infections, mold, living in New York City. Yeah. Um, struggles with weight, struggles with all of those things, struggles with eating disorders, everything just from having such a restricted diet. And then 
I'm also an obsessive person. I'm very type A and super competitive. So I needed somebody to keep me in line. Yeah. Um, kind of kind of got into powerlifting from a CrossFit gym. And when I was getting my doctorate, I hired a coach, which was more power powerlifting ask just to keep me in line. So I would stop overtraining on my own yeah. and keep me accountable. And wanted to compete in during COVID, but COVID hit. Yeah. And did my first competition in December. Right. Um changing to to strength training has been a game changer just as far as supporting my adrenals mm -hmm. um even if they're a little taxed right now with everything going on but um it's just far less stressful compared to endurance sports and then building muscle so having a better relationship with the body and seeing what we can do yeah. um with with building muscle and strength and better recovery less injuries and and all of that yeah, and maybe let's touch on that just a little bit. Uh, obviously, you have experienced, you know, personally what it feels like to kind of overtax the system and go into that adrenal fatigue situation. I know that's probably more common in the like high endurance, you know, sport or training realm. Um, and I think a lot of people who are training at certain periods of time maybe deal with feeling over fatigued, feeling burnt out. And I think sometimes, unless they're talking to someone maybe who has similar type of training, they just think they need to train harder because their bodies, like they're not responding. They're not hitting the times saying running or cycling that they want to. And then they think, well, I need to train harder. And then of course that's like a slippery slope of just yeah. the snowball effect. Yeah. Um, so what are like, while while you mentioned that, what are some of like the, you know, signs and symptoms, if you will, that like you were experiencing or someone else who might be going through yeah. this, like starts to usually experience. Um, I mean, well, it can be a host of things. I mean, one is sleep disturbances, um, just and also never feeling never feeling rested. So you wake up and you feel like you have to just live on caffeine, um, brain fog, any sort of gut dysbiosis. If you have constipation or some of that, usually gut issues go along with all of this. Recurrent injuries can be part of it. Delayed recovery for sure a decrease overall in your performance mm -hmm. um so you just can't sustain the way that you used to yeah um those are a lot of and and muscle soreness for sure yeah yeah um with, which goes with delayed recovery those mm -hmm. are a lot of the big ones yeah i know sometimes like some of the same symptoms that you end up feeling like sleep disturbance for example well on the front end if you're not getting adequate rest if you're not fueling appropriately uh, those types of things can start to turn into this sort, yeah. sort of scenario. Yeah. So um, it just further complicates. The and then people exercise more because waking. Yeah. <laughs> and so right. you think I could do more. Mm -hmm. But it's really, and I don't know if it's it's a matter of overtraining versus under recovering. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good point or question that you maybe pose there because someone sort of asked me a similar question a few weeks ago about like, you know, can I do too much? And this person is not like, a marathoner or ultra marathoner or doing anything, you know, extreme in terms of exercise and training. And what I told them was it all depends on how you're fueling and preparing yourself, right? Like, I don't think they are really at risk of doing too much as long as they prepare their body for what they're doing, yeah. right? Because they're not going out and doing anything that any of us would consider abnormal, um, just normal, normal mm -hmm. daily exercise. So, yeah. And but I think also you have to take into consideration what's your lifestyle outside of that totally. right so even for instance like i just pulled out of my powerlifting competition yeah. part of it was from my hamstring injury but part of it was just my adrenals were done but starting a business 
having that ramp up, also having mm -hmm. another, you know, part-time job to help pay the bills, yep. starting a new long-distance relationship, having some hormone issues from like having an IUD removed, mm -hmm. um, all of those things on top of trying to train at a heavy level. Right. It was it was too much for the body all at once because you, it's thinking about when are you when are you slowing down? Right. If you're working at eight or nine o'clock at night, yep. you're not having that time to slow down. Even if you go and exercise, that's not the point of stress reduction. The point is like meditation, getting sure. yourself into nature, having those slower moments mm -hmm. that you can appreciate. And we had a horrible winter here, so there was no yeah. time in nature. Right. Yeah. It just kind of kept on growing. Um, as soon as the snow would melt, it came right back. But, but yeah. And I think, you know, I think even for myself, that's sort of something that I'm noticing is, you know, rest and recovery and, and having that time is more than just, you know, work, exercise, eat, sleep, right? There needs to be additional time built into your schedule and into your routine. It's just kind of like decompression time, and yeah. downtime that's out of the constant stressors of whatever those are, whether it's work or, or family, caring for the family and not just like spending time with the family because yeah. all those things do build up. And, you know, the more full your, um, you know, your cup is or your meter is on that side of things. Yeah. The less capacity you do have for mm -hmm. training and putting the effort into that so that your body can train and recover from what you're yeah. doing so that you can do it again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So while we sort of get into this topic and you have, you know, sort of changed your training, right? And I'm sure now you maintain much more muscle mass on your frame than you did when you were searching for that sub three hour marathon. What sort of changes have you gone through in like your nutrition or your eating um, as you've made this change in your training style? Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, fo I mean, focusing on protein is a big one um, and transitioning carbs and fats and those kinds of things. Um, it's funny because in a lot of a lot of practitioners in the functional medicine world, I remember working with one and I was talking about how much protein I was eating and she she got on me. She's like, you can't eat more than 90 grams. It's going to impact your kidneys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no, it's not. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of women don't eat enough protein, even sitting in a in a well-known functional medicine office that has books and all this a center. And I was reading and it was literally recommending, I think, I want to say 75 grams of protein a day for women over 40. Yeah. I was like, what? And then they add getting them from nuts and seeds and all of these things. So more, yeah. more plant-based and everything. Yeah. But that's not giving you all the essential amino acids that you need in order to build muscles and maintain all of that. Mm -hmm. um, and muscles are important for our longevity. They're important for disease prevention and important for our body composition. Yeah. And, you know, maybe let's start right there at like kind of these recommendations that yeah. you mentioned. So um, I was just like looking up the, um, you know, what the RDA is, right? The recommended daily dietary allowance for for protein, because uh, this is something that gets brought up very often, like you said, like too much, quote unquote, too much protein is damaging or bad for your kidneys or how much protein does somebody need? So um, just a quick Google search here, uh, a couple things pop up. So the RDA for protein is, which I knew this part, but 0.8 grams yeah. per kilogram of body weight. And for those of you that want to use pounds, that's approximately 2.2 pounds per kilogram. Um, so if you want to do the math there to figure out what your body weight or mass is. But then this other source here, adult men on average 
need about 56 grams of protein a day. Adult women need about 46 grams a day or 71 if pregnant or breastfeeding. And I think both you and I sitting here would say, well, we probably eat three or three plus times that in a day. You know, if that's like the most easily accessible information, right, that's out there. Someone types into the internet search, how much protein should I be eating? And what they're being told by whatever source is 50 grams of protein a day. Where does that number come from? And and why would we say, you know, how would we dispel some of these myths that are out there? The kidneys, why you think it's beneficial or we know it's beneficial to eat more protein mm -hmm. than that. Yeah. I mean, I don't, there's no research studies that support yeah. that it's going to impact your kidneys. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's number one. Um, and then you think about, okay, so if you're thinking about how many calories you're eating, I mean, number one, most women aren't even eating enough for their activity. Um, so most people are, you know, underfed women, at least yes. on that side. But then if you're counting your macros, um, there's four calories per gram of protein. protein yeah. There's four calories per gram of carb and then nine per fat. So if you're only eating 50 grams of protein a day, everything else is coming from carbs and fat. We don't have to get into all the information on that because sure. some people, you know, think high fat. Some people think low, you know, high, higher carb yeah. and that kind of stuff. But those have different balances. And if you fill up on protein, you're not going to eat as much as some of those other things. Mm -hmm. But also the more protein you eat, especially starting your day with a good amount of protein, that sets you off for more of a stable blood sugar throughout the day. Right. Keeps you from uh, having all the cravings throughout the day. And just overall help support the body composition. 60% of our body is water. The other 40% is made of protein. We need to fill that up. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, you know, I would say over, let's see, when when was it that I started? We're sitting here in 2023. It was probably not until, you know, I was out of college maybe that I like really started to pay attention. I did some nutrition work while I was in college. And there was a period of time there that I was doing very diligent food tracking and like logging everything that I, I put into my body. And, um, you know, as a student athlete in college, I was probably consuming like 4,000 calories a day. Right. And that was what I needed to support all the work that was being put in on the football field and the track and the weight room and whatnot. But like you just alluded to many people, women, especially tend to just be under fueled or underfed in general, whether we're talking about protein or just calories. Yeah. Um, but those two things tend to go sort of hand in hand. Yeah. What are your thoughts on why that might be? Because it's right? not fun to eat protein. Yeah. Who wants to wake up and just eat a steak? Mm -hmm. No, you want to wake up and have oatmeal or, or moms. They're eating on the go. They're yeah. doing quick things. Like, so it's what's in the car or what they can grab mm -hmm. and all of that. Or they're snacking with the kids and those kinds of things. We they just don't think about what's you know what's the first macro that we're going to eat. Like yeah. what's the mainstay? Something quick. Like you make pasta, so you mm -hmm. make a big bowl of pasta, and maybe there's a little bit of meat in there, but not as much on the protein side of things. Yeah, uh, it's just overall. And then you know they're tired. What do you crave when you don't sleep? Right, sugar and carbs. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of those things that we end up going for more of the comfort. Food. Yeah, yeah, it's quicker to eat, it's quicker to digest, yeah. and less planning. Yeah, it's easier to grab and go, uh, often comes in a package or, or something like that. And that's definitely true. A lot of the, you know, especially the higher quality ones, protein sources are going to take a little bit more preparation mm -hmm. to make 
little bit more time to eat with chewing and, and mm-hmm. cutting and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I think, I think the, you know, time that you spend or the time investment that you put in doing that stuff probably ends up paying dividends on the back end with how you feel, how you, how you respond to the way your body looks in the mirror mm-hmm. and whatnot, how your clothes fit, all these yep. things. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there yeah. are ways of making preparation quick, but it's just, you have to heat up your food most of the time. Right. You can't just rush out the door. Yeah. And um, eating heated up eggs is not always tasty. <laughs> <laughs> yep, you prefer to eat them fresh. But um, but yeah, so okay, so this RDA of protein being set in like the 50 grams per day range, right, for the sort of quote-unquote average person, why would you say that that is not enough, right? Like we need more protein than that. And like you already alluded to, there's really not studies out there that demonstrate negative effects on the kidneys for mm-hmm. an otherwise healthy person that eats more protein than that. Mm-hmm. Well, again, protein stimulate muscle growth. Most people don't have enough muscle. We need more muscle to offset the fat. So if we build more muscle, we're going to lose some of the body fat. Yeah. And that's going to keep us as we old, or old as yeah. we age, age. Yeah, yeah. right? It reduces our risk of osteoporosis, those kinds of things, mm-hmm. you know, sarcopenia. It's improves our blood sugar balance yeah super important for preventing diabetes it improves our sleep yeah it improves our overall just longevity and aging compared to eating more carbs and fats and those kinds of things yeah and i think that's a you know that's a conversation i end up having with people quite often whether it's here in the office or whether it's just like you know friends family members community because i think when i first started taking a protein supplement right was um probably when I was in high school, that's like really when I started lifting weights and whatnot in my life. And I remember being met with questions or concerns from family members about, oh, be careful how much protein you get. That's going to be bad for your kidneys. And, um, you know, and now I probably consume 180 grams-ish of protein a day. I don't really track it very diligently, but um, like I can feel when I get a good amount of protein versus not because of the things like you said before. On days when I don't eat as much protein, I'm more hungry. I'm craving things usually that are sugary. And um, if something is in front of me that is sugary or carby, it's hard to say no to that. But if I'm well fed and I've eaten my normal sort of planned out meals for the day, I could very easily say, no, I don't need that piece of piece of cake or right. cookie or whatever that might be. Yeah. Because I, I feel fine. Yeah. I feel satisfied. And then if you happen to work out on that day. Yeah. Either your workout may not go as well, and then the next day you're more sore because mm-hmm. you ate a lot of the sugary things and all of that, and you didn't have as much of the protein to help repair yeah. your muscles. Totally. Yeah, and then like you mentioned, you you need that protein, right, to kind of offset the fat. And what we know, right, I think anybody listening to this show knows, at least here in the United States and pretty much most really industrialized places, obesity is a problem. Mm-hmm. Type 2 diabetes is a problem. Mm-hmm high blood pressure, like Mm -hmm. all these preventable things are a problem. And on average, on our, you know, the average person has too much fat, too little muscle, too low of an aerobic cardiovascular capacity, right? And we know that VO2 max, your aerobic capacity, and how much muscle and strength you have, you have better longevity, right? These things correlate very detailed, like with how well we age, how long we live, how less likely we are to get hurt from falling or, or anything else, or, um, you know, if you fall, how likely you are to actually sustain an injury or bounce back from that just fine, yep. the stronger and more resilient your body is. 
Um, and protein is going to help us be able to accomplish those things. Absolutely. Of course, with the training. Yeah. But okay. yeah. In, you know, if, as we start talking about like lifespan compared to health span, well, those things kind of go hand in hand mm -hmm. too. And if you have more muscle on your frame, you're able to continue doing more activities. Yeah. You're able to continue to like live right mm -hmm. and i don't mean just like just age but i mean like really live yeah. and enjoy and and participate in in life as we get older yeah. and um so something that i think is becoming more i, I think this is good we're, we're starting to change this conversation about needing more protein and i hear more often how important protein is as we age so why is that why obviously protein is important for everybody but why as we get older 50, 60, 70 years old, why is it so important that we're getting appropriate protein in? Well, I mean, even ideally we do it before that, yeah, totally. spring training before that, because mm -hmm. as we age, as our hormones change, we start losing muscle mass. Yeah. Roughly when does that start? Midlife. Early. In our 40s. Yeah. Early. <laughs> Learn them in midlife. <laughs> but in reality, you know, I mean, I, I'm seeing it more because of how our environment is and endocrine disruptors and all of that. I mean, we're seeing more and more hormonal changes, even in the 30s, guys with low yeah. testosterone, females with, you know, infertility and a bunch of those things. But true, like midlife, especially for women, when we're thinking about perimenopause, starts in the 40s, um, usually postmenopause, usually is in the 50s. Um, and about in the 40s is kind of when men's testosterone starts to, to go down. The typical, yeah. we obviously see. Yeah, different ranges Wide of range. it as well mm -hmm. um but when your hormones change you're not able to maintain so much of your muscle mass yeah um yeah. so it's really and then again you're going to be at risk for more things i mean i don't know I, I get really big on the glutes right you need to have strong glutes so if you have a flat bum mm -hmm. you need to build the glutes because that's going to support your back absolutely but again you need protein to build those muscles mm -hmm. and the proper kind of training in order to do it yeah yeah, it'll uh, not only will having, you know, strong, I like to use the term robust glutes, right? <laughs> uh, that will support your back. But but also, I kind of like to look at the hips and the shoulders, it's right? The, it's yeah. everything. It's your core. It's all of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I like to think of the hips and the shoulders as kind of our two primary movement engines mm -hmm. of our upper body and our lower body, yeah. right? Like, if you've ever had a shoulder injury, you know how much that significantly impacts your ability to use that entire arm right? Your hand, your elbow, everything, even just turning your body. And, um, you know, if your hip doesn't function, well, a lot of the stuff down, down the chain below that is not going to be able to function as normal. So having strong, well-working hips and shoulders, very important to be able to just move our body and do all the different activities that we need to or want to do. And it's not even just about doing like whatever sport or athletics that you want to do. Yeah. It's about being able to do you want to be able to carry your groceries into the house by yourself? Yeah. Do you want to be able to get something from the top cupboard? Yeah. You know, if even if you have to climb a chair or whatever without getting injured. Yeah. Um, it's thinking about all of those things. Yeah, and actually, you you mentioned New York, right? You know, where where you're basically from. <laughs> and I recently went to New York City for the first time, and. That is a place, right? We're my wife and I are going around. We're going down the stairs to the subway, traveling around. If you have a significant physical limitation in your ability to move your body, New York would be an extremely hard place to really like get around. Well, you 
you can't get your groceries. Right. I mean, I I would literally plan my my activities. There wasn't I went to Equinox and there wasn't one near where I lived. Mm-hmm. So I'm going all the way into the city and plan between going to Trader Joe's and Whole Foods for my groceries. I have a giant backpack that I would fill. And then I would usually have to farm Farmer yeah. two other bags and get to my apartment. I had to hike outside on the street. There was like two or three flights of steps yep. that you had to go up just to, and then a hill just to get to the apartment. There's no way you can do that if you're not somewhat no. in shape. No, you can't. And, um, you know, my wife and I saw a couple people that were having a very hard time getting around. Some of these people were older. Some of these people are not not that old, yeah. right? Or didn't appear to be that old. Of course, I don't know exactly their age. But um, one thing that we know is, like you said, the better you start to prepare your body and your lifestyle early on, the better that's going to set you yeah. up for success down the road. Because although there is never a bad time, right, to start thinking about more protein or what you're putting into your body, to start thinking about training and mm-hmm. resistance training, um, anytime is a good time to start that. But the more ahead of the curve you can be, yeah, right. The more ahead of the curve you're going to stay. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And and I, you know, it's great that we have this shift. I mean, from my era, it was all about doing cardio, hence sure. marathon running, doing all that. That was the thing. And people are now listening to the shift. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, sometimes people still are afraid of getting bulky from building muscle, sure. which isn't going to happen. But um, one of my one of my um, clients just started, she's older, and she just started doing a, a women's weight training class. Yeah. Um, and it's great. And I, you know, I know that I was an inspiration for all of that. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate, and that's all I want. That's the only thing I do in my day, and I inspire somebody to go pick up a weight, great. Right. Or to eat some extra protein, great. But, you know, they're having more of those things and being able to teach women how to do that instead of just always going to the big hit kind of gyms and yeah. that kind of stuff, which is wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, it's, it's, uh, we would rather someone participate in some kind of exercise than nothing at all, yeah. whether it's cardio, whether it's hit, um, a lot of those styles of training, the hit training, a lot of times happens in a class setting, which introduces a lot of accountability and camaraderie. Mm-hmm. But if you can add in some additional, like true resistance training on top of that, Oh, the, the potential and the gains that you see from that are significant. And you mentioned the, um, you know, sometimes people are still kind of afraid of this misnomer of I'm going to get bulky from lifting weights. You per- I particularly hear that from runners or just females in yeah. general. And um, one kind of quote or comment that I like is no one ever put on a bunch of muscle by accident, yeah. right? Like you, it is impossible to Go out in the gym numerous days a week, just lift weights, and then all of a sudden you're just going to become bulky because we know there's a lot of other things that go into that. You have to be recovering appropriately. You have to be giving yourself plenty of food and protein in, in order for that. In to reality, happen. to bulk up, you're going. It takes a long time to. Yeah. As people want the quick fix for building yeah, muscle, yeah, yeah. but it takes time to put on muscle. You can put on fat real quickly, but it takes time to put on muscle. Mm-hmm. You also have to almost be overeating. Correct. To really. Put it on. I mean, that's why they call it when you're actually counting your macros, the bulking phase, because mm-hmm. you put on some fat at the same time, but you're, right. you're eating in excess to build that muscle. And most mm-hmm. of us are not going to do that. Yeah. But in order to do it, again, protein. Yeah. You have to eat your protein. Now, you mentioned um, muscle protein synthesis mm-hmm. a little bit ago. And, you know, in order to like kind of facilitate that and kickstart your day, right? If 
Um, you know, if you're not following a particular fasting protocol where you're waiting several hours to eat in the morning, um, it is a good idea and like kind of necessary for your body to start your day off with a very adequate amount of protein in your first meal of the day, yes. right? Probably more beneficial to eat something that has significant protein in it compared to just eating a bowl of oatmeal and starting off your work day. Yeah. What's up, guys? Dr. Andrew Fix here from Physio Room. Thanks for joining me on The Code. This episode is brought to you by Rebel Green, nutrition you can feel. Are you tired of taking or trying tons of different supplements and not knowing if they're making a difference? You keep taking them, hoping they're giving you some benefit, but you can't really tell because you can't feel anything. Rebel Green's microgreen nutritional supplements are hands down the best green supplement I've ever tried. Not only can I feel a difference when I take them, but I know what I'm taking is high quality in only the few ingredients that I actually need. No fillers, high bioavailability, high effectiveness. Visit revogreen.co slash Dr. Andrew Fix to get yours today. That's R-E-V-O green.co slash Dr. Andrew Fix to get yours today. Be sure to let me know how you like them. Thanks so much. So what is muscle protein synthesis, first of all? And then second, what, um, like what kind of an amount of protein are we talking about? to eat in the beginning of the day or whenever to like really trigger that to happen in the body. I mean, ideally in every meal, we're eating 30 to 50 grams of protein. 50 is about the max of what can be utilized for muscle protein synthesis. And that's just, you know, your body's ability to utilize the protein in order to support and muscles and all of that. There's three essential amino acids. You think of the branch chain ones. Mm-hmm. Leucine, isoleucine, and, and valine are the most common ones. but we technically have nine essential amino acids that we need, and that's what makes up a complete protein. And so, you know, the tr- the traditional diet is you wake up, you have some oatmeal, it's going to spike your blood sugar. Yeah. Um, even if you add a little bit of protein to it, you know, sometimes people will add, a, you know, whey or whatever. It's still an obsessive amount of carbs, but we usually we don't get as much, and then we're trying to catch up later right. at night. But you want to have an even amount throughout the day. That's mm-hmm. going to keep your blood sugar balanced. Right. Um, and ideally, you're doing it within 60 to 90 minutes of waking up mm-hmm. to really, uh, you know, offset that. Yeah. So, and again, I just want to repeat those numbers that you just said. Ideally, to trigger muscle protein th- synthesis and to, like, eat an amount that's, like, just right for your body to, to utilize and to break down and to send off to the tissues in your body, but not eating so much that, like, your body doesn't know what to do with it. We ideally want to get 30 to 50 grams of protein in a sitting, right? Mm -hmm. In a meal. When if we just pop up the phone and Google, how much protein do you need in a day? It says 50 grams of protein. So like, okay, I can eat that in a meal, in one meal. So, I mean, I, I really think what we're finding is to optimize how your body can utilize the food that you're putting in to optimize the protein and to really support your tissues we kind of need to be getting like three times as much yeah. for the average person than what like the recommendation is by, you know, the FDA. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I usually tell, I usually tell most of my patients at least start with your ideal body weight and grams of protein sure. a day. Yep. So they don't have to do any math or anything like that. But like the low end of the spectrum in my mind is 0.8 grams per pound, per pound. of yep. body weight, but you can do upwards of one one and a half grams per pound of body weight right yeah um and then and i usually always say well 
I eat 155 to 165 grams of protein every day. And I don't supplement that with any protein drink. I literally get that in food. Eat that. I yeah. eat that amount. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really just about having a larger serving of meat or protein at every meal mm -hmm. and making sure my snack has protein in it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's um let's close this part out on the the numbers and then let's go down that route a little mm -hmm. bit about talking about different sources of protein and you know what's what are pros and cons of some versus others but you know if if you're saying one of the easiest ways to try to decide how much protein does somebody need for their body right say someone is 150 pounds and for them that's their ideal body weight then they approximately eat 150 uh, grams of yeah. protein right one gram per pound or if they're say a 180 pound person but they would prefer to be 150 pounds then that may be a good number to yeah. speak for so either what your body mass or weight is or slightly below it or above it whatever your yeah. ideal weight is that's probably about what you're shooting for in terms of grams yeah. per day that's kind of like looking at the 0.8 grams right. right if you have weight to lose you can kind of do that one mm -hmm. um and then increase as you want yeah yeah makes sense and and i could say with 100 um you know confidence like self self um testing here that my body weight tends to shift as my protein consumption tends to dip, mm -hmm. right if if i'm not like i've recently been on this like weight gaining goal right because i was trying to increase my strength in the gym well if i don't make a point to really be eating throughout the day i'm losing weight even mm -hmm. though i'm still training because i need like you said you need to eat in that surplus or in excess yeah. In order to actually gain weight all of our bodies kind of have sort of a set point right and we get into our routine of just like what we kind of eat um and unless you change something your training your eating your weight's not going to significantly yeah. change probably in yeah. most cases yeah yeah all right so i'm sitting here drinking a protein shake and this is you know this is definitely not what i would say is uh the best nor my preferred method of protein as soon as i eat a meal here after we're done with the show, it's going to be like actual food, mm -hmm. right? That I'm eating. But um, you said you eat about 150 grams of protein Plus. eating in a day, yeah. right? Not through supplementation. Yeah. So um, typically where are you getting, like what sources are you using to get that in? Uh, eggs and egg whites and turkey bacon. It's every morning I have for breakfast. Mm -hmm. um, and then I do kind of combinations of ground turkey or, you know, we're in Colorado, so we get good meat out here, venison yeah. or elk or those kinds of things. I do a combination of the two to make it a little lower in fat. For me, salmon, sausages, just literally meat. Yeah. And then I I don't eat dairy. Um, so I have um, pea protein. I love Three Wishes cereal. Love it, love it, love it. Um, as a snack, because yeah. it's kind of sweet. It's a carby type thing. Um, and then I've been eating sea geese plant-based yogurt which yeah. is, has a little pea protein in it yeah well. i see that in the stories <laughs> um jerky so it sounds like the majority of your sources are coming from animal sources of protein yeah. right meat eggs and whatnot even if you're uh, staying away from the dairy which i know a lot of people do <laughs> i mean especially in like certain parts of the country or in the world i think that's very common here in the denver area or in the northwest or something um, whereas back where I am from in the Midwest, there are there's just fewer people that shy away from dairy. Right? Yeah. It's like really common there to, to eat a lot of dairy. I have eaten plenty in my life. But when we start sort of talking about 
plant-based sources of protein compared to animal-based sources of protein without maybe going going into like telling someone how they should eat with like whatever belief system they have. What are kind of the pros and cons of an animal-based source compared to a plant-based source in terms of the quality of the protein that you're getting and how your body's actually able to use that and break it down and use it for your tissue? Well, just the biggest point is that animal protein has all the essential amino acids. So you don't have to add anything extra to it. Mm -hmm. um, whereas if you have a plant-based protein, protein, most of them you have to add something else to it. But then the other caveat is to get the amount of protein, the same amount from what's in a source of meat or yeah. animal protein, the calories is gonna be much higher and potentially the carbs. So it's kind of thinking about, about those things. That's going to be the, the two key differences. Yeah. And I think those are the exact same two things that I tend to mention to people is just you're getting a more complete protein when it's coming from an animal source. And then, you know, we're not, I'm trying to typically stay away from the conversation of should you eat vegan? Should mm -hmm. you eat this? Should you eat that? Because at the yeah. end of the day, I don't really care how somebody eats. I'm just letting them know the facts right. of if you want the best bang for your buck in terms of bioavailability and absorption yeah. and most protein in the least amount of calories, you're going to want to do that through an animal-based source, Yeah. period, yeah. right? Then if you want to go about this in a more plant-based source, well, then you just need to factor in, in order to get that potentially 150 grams of protein, you will be consuming likely more calories than you would if you were doing that the other way. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, cool. So then you mentioned the animal-based sources have the uh, more essential amino acids, mm -hmm. right? It's more complete protein profile. Are we able to get that through the plant-based sources? Yeah. I know they try to add things yeah, into you can, them. You have to combine them. Like, so for pea protein, a lot of them to make, um, pea is low in um, methionine for one. Um, so they'll add rice protein a lot of times mm -hmm. to that. But then there's a caveat, right? For people who can't consume grains, <laughs> how do you then, you know, manage that one? But that's that's a common plant-based um, protein. And, and I'll be honest, pea protein is disgusting. Yeah, very like chalky, like it's dry. So, yeah, I get yeah. so jealous of all these recipes you see on Instagram, like using protein, because I'm just like, it doesn't work with pea. Mm -hmm. It like sits at the bottom. It's yeah. really gross. Mm -hmm. I found one brand that I like, and it doesn't have rice because I also don't do grains. Mm -hmm. um, and more, I'm more on the paleo-ish side of things. Yeah. Um, that's not like the pea is not choppy, but yeah, it's yeah. not as yummy as whey, where a lot of times people have digestive issues with whey. Yeah. Or if sure. they're just sensitive to dairy. Yep. Yep. And you know, and that happens. And I think mm -hmm. just like exercise, same thing with diet. At the end of the day, we need to try and figure out what works well for your body. Yep. Right. There's there is no just one plan or recommendation that is going to be unique for yep. every single person, right? We're all going to have a unique plan that's right for us. And, um, you know, I think very slowly, like you're in the functional medicine space, mm -hmm. medicine is very slowly moving this way where like we can't just treat all people the same. We yeah. have to diversify and assess and see yep. where people are and then tailor the recommendations to that individual. Uh, same thing with food, right? Yep. Some people will respond better to some things or like my um, some of my family members tend to stay away from gluten which I think is probably just a smart thing in general, but I don't have the same kind of like 
feel negative feelings right. when I eat it compared to some of my family members. Right. I feel basically the same, at least how I feel, whether I do or whether yeah. I don't. Yeah. And you know, for me, when I when I see uh clients, I have general recommendations on diet. I yeah. just don't limit gluten dairy because they can be inflammatory, but right. you can tolerate whey, drink it, because it's a far better protein source including mm-hmm. amino acids compared to doing, you know, the pea protein. Mm-hmm. Um and that's why I say I'm paleo-ish. Right. Yep. I don't like having a label on a diet because it makes everything very strict. I remember even when I um, when I was treated for mold toxicity, I was told not to eat carbs. And it was when I was finally starting to have a good relationship with actually eating some carbs mm. because I had always been told not to eat them. And I was just like, no, I'm not doing this. I can heal with eat, still eating some. Yeah. And that's kind of, you know, in really individualizing things and, and meeting people where they're at. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's even having a gradual increase in protein and helping them transition their mind frame of, of how they're they're eating foods and making sure that they're enjoying what they're eating. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a big piece because, um, and that's one of the reasons, at least for myself, I really don't track things anymore because... I, I slightly lose some of the enjoyment of just sitting down and eating if I have to be putting into my phone or a notebook or whatever, every little thing that yeah. I'm putting, putting in my mouth. However, I will say it really makes you aware of things like serving sizes or even if I'm just writing down my food uh, on a piece of paper or a notebook, it will make me make better choices because mm-hmm. I think twice about eating something that I know is not really healthy for me. Yeah. Because what I'm not going to do, right, is I'm not going to eat it but not write it down because that de- that defeats the purpose, mm-hmm. right, of like if you're filling out a food log, you need to fill out the food log in its entirety. Otherwise, you're not really gleaning any information. But um, it really makes you aware mm-hmm. of things like serving sizes. And you mentioned a little bit ago that, um, you know, one of the ways that we can increase the amount of protein we're getting in throughout our day is by eating bigger servings of it at our meals, yeah. right? One, that's going to help our ability to synthesize and use the protein that better if you're getting 30 plus grams as opposed to like 10 mm-hmm. but um you know what are some of these typical serving sizes well usually when we're talking go, about protein like say you go and you get a salad yeah right and you put chicken on top like three or four ounces of chicken that they put on there mm-hmm. if i sit down and i make a meal i eat six ounces of meat yeah um and that's six ounces pre-cooked right so right. there's right. some right for for that aspect but even in you know in the restaurants three to four ounces you know pre-cooked as well Mm -hmm. that they give you so it's really just increasing that so i'll go and ask for extra chicken yeah um and you know we can ask all these questions if we're eating out to make things you know more what we what we need yeah and more protein forward on that aspect yeah for sure or like you order an omelet just ask for extra egg whites or extra eggs if you you want the whole egg that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, in terms of like some strategies or something where I've been doing the same thing, I think I think I'll probably wind up being out to breakfast this weekend. And I've typically been been asking for two, if not three or four, like extra eggs on the side or or an extra side of bacon or or whatever. And yeah, typically there's there's always gonna be a charge for that. But well, if if you would prefer to find another way to how can I get extra protein but not incur that charge? Yeah. Well, maybe in the car, right before you go into the restaurant or right when you leave, maybe you have a small protein shake waiting for you and you get an extra 20 grams in with the meal that you just ate so that you can, you know, do that a little bit more cost effective or something like that, but not miss out on 
okay, I only ate like a couple ounces, 20 grams. Right. Well, we know that that's not going to be as sufficient to facilitate the processes in our body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as we talk about eggs, they don't increase their cholesterol. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> they, that's like a bit, you know, it's not dairy. So if you don't eat dairy, it's not dairy. Sometimes people think eggs are dairy. Um, yeah. I think on the food pyramid, they put it, you know, next to the milk. I, I think you're right. It's that. technically more of a meat. I know that sounds weird, but yeah. um, and they do not increase your cholesterol. I literally eat three eggs every day. I used to actually eat four eggs. Mm-hmm. I do three eggs and three egg whites every morning. Yeah. Um, so but you know, if you don't for whatever your macros are, if you don't want so much fat, you just add in egg whites. Right. And those are options when you eat out. You can have your whole omelet made with egg whites, but you can just say you know, omelets are usually two or three eggs and you can ask them to add extra eggs to it. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think that's a good point that you bring up on the cholesterol that like, you know, if you go get a blood panel done, the cholesterol that like is in there is made by our body, right? It's not It's not the cholesterol that we eat. Cholesterol is made by like every right. cell in our body, right? Is, right. is making it. And um, what we eat doesn't necessarily increase or decrease that it, there's a huge genetic factor to this to cholesterol but yeah i think even though that's kind of been dispelled that still gets mentioned a lot like there's still well there is an extent that what we eat does increase the cholesterol right i'm gonna go off on the carnivore diet yeah, because yeah, yeah i yeah. see that all the time i've had you know, people sit down and eat two pounds of red meat sure and those kinds of things and i see the ldls skyrocket but also we're looking at the apob which is a much closer like a much better marker, but that also increases, right? Mm-hmm. I'll also see um, back when doing high uh, coconut oil was a big mm-hmm. one, sure. that would increase LDL yeah. as well. So, um, you know, it's thinking about those things. As much as I like protein, I'm not big on the carnivore diet. Sure. Because we need to get our, you know, there's nothing wrong with eating vegetables. They have a lot of vitamins and minerals. They have prebiotics to support the gut microbiome all of that kind of stuff yeah and with with a carnivore diet you're essentially eating meat and fruit which is sugar right and i just i don't don't go along along with that one because i think we need our greens we need cruciferous vegetables and all Mm -hmm. that stuff for the gut health and everything there but yeah to some extent if we eat in excess of the fatty cuts of meat sure yes we're gonna and yes it's some of it's genetic and all of that, but we're going to increase our inflammatory markers and, yeah. and the cholesterol to that extent as well. Yeah, no, I'm glad you mentioned that. And, you know, I think if, if you wanted to, right, nutrition, even more than exercise, I feel like, even though this is true of exercise too, is one of those things where you have so many different like camps of people, right, mm-hmm. that are so strongly invested in like this way is the way and no other way will work for anybody um just like an exercise you have the resistance trainers you have the cardio only people and whatnot well i think i think probably the middle ground is probably best everywhere right where i think there's pieces of each of these things that are probably true in some some capacity so one thing i wanted you to mention because you're obviously doing this and and i'm doing this is um you know we talked about briefly how especially moms people are busy Mm -hmm. right and it takes a little bit more preparation time a little bit more time to eat when we're trying to get like whole food sources of Mm -hmm. these protein sources what are some ways that you found or that you have sort of coached clients that you have worked with on you know how to set themselves up for success how to prepare 
quick snacks that mm-hmm. are protein packed, like things that they can do throughout their day. When life does take a curveball in the middle of your day and you do need to just grab something on the go because yep. you don't have the time to to sit down and prepare something. Yeah. I mean, protein bars are a good one. Of course, it's a processed food and it's just figuring out whichever one you tolerate and mm-hmm. works with you, right? Because some of them will have additives like chicory root or erythritol or something that can upset your stomach. Um, but you know, that's a good one. I mean, nuts are not a whole protein, but just as a snack of having something healthy, or if you can grab the yogurt, like I said, you drink coffee and you put, you can put a scoop away in your, your coffee in the morning. A lot of people do collagen. I do that. I try not to count the collagen as my protein. Mm-hmm. It's so not a complete protein at all. It just adds flavor and collagen is good for your gut and all of that. Um, but not a full protein kind of replacement if you want to have that as all of your protein um and then but it's simple things like batch cook your meat yeah i cook my meat for the whole you know mostly the whole week or whatever have a big thing you can do one of my favorites is making shredded chicken with chicken breast in the um the Instapot. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the carnita seasoning, and you put that, you can put that on a salad. You can do anything you want with it. Yeah. Um, and then it's just having it in the fridge is there. And so it's quick and easy. If you go to work, you just pack your, your lunch there. If yeah. you're at home, if you're a stay-at-home mom, you can just kind of make it in the day. Mm-hmm. Or turkey rolls, right? Have you know cheese in there or whatever you want. Kind of, that's a great snack you just put in a bag and you can take with you. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the overall theme here of what I'm hearing is, you know, plan for things, right? I find it very hard for myself. Um, I don't know how my uh, my mom, when we were growing up, used to do this, where like, obviously we had a big household of people, but like she's cooking a separate meal every time that we're eating. Yeah. And, I just can't do that. I do the same thing. I prepare food ahead of time so that it's already packed in the fridge, ready to grab and go. And I've gotten asked by people multiple times. A lot of times on the weekend, my routine will be to cook three pounds of ground meat. And I will split that over the course of six lunches throughout the mm-hmm. day. So I'm getting a half a pound of, of meat. Plus, I usually throw two eggs with that and mix some other things in there um, as my lunch every day. And people will ask me, like, doesn't that go bad in your fridge? But I, I think they're misunderstanding how quickly I'm going through that, right? Because yeah. I'm eating that in a relatively quick fashion. Sometimes yeah. if I'm really trying to be efficient with my time, though this is slightly boring from a variety standpoint, I'll just eat the exact same thing for lunch and dinner and I'll mix up the vegetable or I'll mix up the spices that go in there. But like at the end of the day, that meal is like 90% the same as what I yeah. eat for lunch. But it saves me so much time yeah. throughout the week to do that. I do the same thing and I just kind of fluctuate in the weeks or mm-hmm. things like that. And, you know, for dinner, um, making salmon is super quick. Yeah. Right. And I just think about what's quick to make. But even still, if you have kids, usually you're planning your meals. I mean, growing up, it was like you had spaghetti, whatever day and mm-hmm. I'm not promoting spaghetti. But, you know, we had like the kind of the meal the meal days like you can have taco yeah. Tuesday if exactly. you want and it's kind of and you can actually make enough for dinner that then you have leftovers for your lunch absolutely um so you have that that same meal yeah um and then just really thinking about your breakfast I think that's the big one that's really hard for people because of course you can grab an oatmeal that's really quick right you have instant oatmeal or the things in a right. container or something like that as moms are getting, you know, getting up, getting their kids ready, and many are trying to get off to work, and 
that, yeah. you know, that's a, that's kind of a, a hard one. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. And if, you know, if you work in an office or, or wherever, anytime somebody generally like will bring in food, particularly for breakfast, it's donuts, it's bagels, yeah. it's, you know, it's rarely something that has protein in it. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I think breakfast is probably a little harder for people and that's not maybe the meal they think of eating as much protein yeah. during. But it also takes five, maybe 10 minutes to make eggs in the morning. Right. You know, another thing that's been like very, I've been doing this for many months on end now, that's been very convenient for me to trim down on the number of protein bars, protein shakes and things that I'm having is I will make a bunch of hard boiled yeah. eggs and it is so fast to just peel two or three eggs. Um, I've been finding that, I guess I don't even need to call them hard boiled because I'm not boiling them. I'm making them in the air fryer. Okay. And I have found that um, I set the air fryer on 250 uh -huh. and I put a bunch of eggs in there. And if I don't have the air fryer uh, preheated, right? If it's just turning it on from, from standstill, 17 minutes. Or if it's already heated up, I run it for 16 minutes and they come out perfect every single time. Peel and perfect. they peel pretty darn well. Yeah. That's usually, the, that's usually, I've, I've never perfected mm -hmm. hard boiled eggs. It's why I don't make them fine. because they don't. It's hard. Yeah. <laughs> like I've tried all the things to make it perfect. Mm -hmm. I might have to try that one though. Yeah. My, my wife gives me a hard time because it always seems like she has an easier time peeling eggs than I do. There's got to be something to her technique because it's the same eggs. But, but yeah, largely they peel just fine. Um, but that's been an easy thing for me is if I know I'm going to be out for a couple hours or something and I don't just want to be um, either getting things on the go or I don't have a way to like refrigerate yep. stuff, I'll um, maybe I'll pack, pack a protein okay. bar, but maybe I'll pack like three or four or five hard boiled eggs. And that's another really good snack. And actually in a lot of places, I know in Pete's because there's one near my house that I'll go to to study sometimes. Oh, yeah. They used oh, to have, yeah. yeah, they used to have like the vital proteins, oh, sure. hard boiled eggs. Mm -hmm. I, I don't really go to Starbucks that much, but you know, they do have little, little things. So you can grab yeah. thinking about that, grabbing snacks. And even if you go to Whole Foods, they have those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. So you can grab as a snack when you're on the go. Yeah. And of course, you know, it'll, it'll be just a touch more expensive, obviously than yeah. making your own, but yeah, we were out of town this past weekend and we ran to the store and I was looking through their protein bar section and quite frankly, none of these bars that lit said protein on the label. They were carb bars that had yeah. a bunch of sugar and like yeah. eight grams of protein, right? They were like granola bars with eight grams of protein. But we found this package of like six already peeled hard boiled eggs. I yeah. was like, yeah, we'll take that. And I literally sat down and ate like four of them right, <laughs> right yeah. when we got back to the car um, because I just wanted a food source that didn't have all the extra carbs. I just wanted some yeah. protein. I tend to be a little sensitive to uh, caffeine if I'm drinking like coffee on mm -hmm. an empty stomach or something. So I was like, I need a little food with this coffee. That's better for you anyways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, that, yeah, that's the, that's the thing with protein bars. On the, on the flip side, it does, if you have one that you like, it will satisfy your craving for that sweet for sure. thing. Like the good way of getting in chocolate if you want it and you feel like you're not, you know, depriving yourself. Yeah. Um, that's, I think, yeah. a big one with, with women, but they're filled with so much stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. They're in there. filled with so many things. Mm -hmm. I, I, I still struggle to find a protein bar that I can eat. I get, I'm doing IQ bars right now. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've had them. They're, they're more, they're keto. Okay. So they're, you know, higher in fats because they're more nuts and that kind of thing. But I'm 
I don't eat so like I don't eat cashews. That's a big one for me. Mm -hmm. Um, so but then again, all the the bars that have the additives, they just yeah. eat, they irritate my stomach. Yeah. Um, because they're filled with the, the chick chicory root is a is a big one, mm -hmm. and and erythritol. Those two things just yep. really can can kill certain people's stomachs. Well, so if we sort of summarize um, a little bit of the key highlights that we talked about, I think I think we talked about you know eating the amount of grams of protein that is close to your ideal body weight mm -hmm. that, that you're looking for. Um, and if I forget anything, fill this in for me. Um, we talked about like starting your day off, right? If you're eating breakfast, start that off with a highly proteined breakfast. Um, so you can set yourself up for success throughout the rest of the day. Plan protein-packed snacks, yep. right? So that if you are on the go, like many of us are, you have those easily at your disposal um, because they're not always the easiest thing to find when you're mm -hmm. just stopping at places, right? Yeah. Usually in order to get something that's high in protein, you're not going through a drive-through to do that. You have right. to go into a facility or yeah. store to get that. And then as much as possible, you want to prioritize eating real food as your protein sources mm -hmm. and then use the supplements, the bars, the shakes yes. as supplements, right? Not as primary sources. Right. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I usually... Ideally, if you have to use a supplement, it's like one serving a day. Right. Not like I'm having multiple protein drinks a day. I would agree. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And I think, and I think if if that's something you're already doing and you start to switch to like getting more of it through food, one, you'll probably feel better. Yeah. But two, you'll feel a lot more full. Yeah. There's Absolutely. a there's an act of eating taking place yep. and you're not just quickly chugging down this protein shake. Um, but then you're getting just much, much less of all of that mm -hmm. additional additive preservative style yes. stuff that's in there. Um, and I think we'll, your guts and everything will feel better as a result. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Well, Jamie, I know you've got a busy day. I've got a busy day, but I want to make sure that people know where they can get a hold of you if mm -hmm. they have questions that arose after hearing us talk about protein for a little while. So what's the best way for somebody to get in contact with you after we wrap this up? Yeah, absolutely. Well, my website is monarch-way.com. Um, there's also an Instagram, monarch.way. And then uh, my Instagram is uh, Jamie, K-Y-E-I-N-P. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Jamie, thank you so much for joining thank me you. today to talk shop on protein. You guys that listen to this, we'll put all that information uh, for Jamie in the show notes so that you can find that, click on that and go ask your questions. And then as you've maybe heard me say on this show before, if you have tuned in in the past, we do have a goal of trying to get up to 200 five-star reviews on this podcast so that we can get this out to more eyes and ears for other people to uh, to listen to some of these awesome interviews that we have. So if you haven't already left a review, please go do that on whatever platform you chose to listen to us. And we hope to catch you next time on the next episode of The Code. Thank you so much. Goodbye.